Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number 66. And then, you know, you're on the same page and maybe you're, you're feeling like, um, like you want to express, she's feeling she wants to express. And then you just, uh, uh, draw something together, something new, something, mm-hmm. um, and that is, that is, I think you, you are in that last category, that last level. And the last level is, is truly embodied. You know, it's, it's easy for you to do. Um, it's easy for you to understand what you want to do and understand what your partner wants to do. Mm-hmm. I want to dance with you now, but we can. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to wait one year. I know, I know, I know, I know. It was going to be a Neo Kids this year, but we're going to have yeah. to find another time. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast coming at you with yet another episode. Uh, all of this time off not traveling or organizing dance events has freed up my time to start up this podcast again. And I'm super happy to have another fabulous human being on the line, Miss Sophie Madison. How are you doing? Hi Charles, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thank you for taking the time out of your packs full, busy day, bustle and rustle during the quarantine. That that was tongue in cheek. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, definitely. Um, so yes, um, for those people who haven't heard of you in the dancing, can you go ahead and describe a little bit of what you do? or did in the dancing today? Okay, so my name is Sophie Madison. Uh, I've been dancing Kizomba for maybe three years now. And um, so before the lockdown, um, so during the weekends, I would give workshops or classes in France or abroad. And during the weeks, my my days would be about creating new content. Um, so I'm posting a lot of dance videos. Um, I also have a Facebook group, uh, the the Amazing Follows, um, where I I um, I share a lot of tips and um, interviews, uh, things to allow followers to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also working with Laurent on some of his projects. So one of them is an uh, online Kizomba school. Yes, I've seen and some videos with the cool video effects and everything. Yes. So now during the lockdown, I'm not going to lie, I'm not doing a lot of uh, thing anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm still working with Laurent on some stuff. I'm still creating a little bit of content, but um, 
I definitely lost a lot of momentum. So mm-hmm. now the, just trying to be safe right now. For sure. And I can definitely relate with the momentum as well. Um, to like traveling two, three times a month to being slowed down. And then yes. I, I think the way that I like that I've put it before is like there's this fog of uncertainty that we are experiencing uh, collectively. A lot of us in the dance community and beyond outside of the dance community, if we don't know what the next month is going to look like or the next six months is going to look like or the next year is going to look like. Yeah. And so since it's hard to see that future with all the things that are going on with the pandemic, then it's kind of like you, you do lose some momentum because it's like it's, it's hard to aim towards the future, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, ex- I especially go very well with uh, short-term projects. Mm-hmm. So though I have like maybe a vision for the future or whatever, I like just a, vi- a vision for the future. It doesn't make me go so well, you know? So I need to have a lot of short-term projects. And when I don't have them, so right now you don't have any festivals, you don't have any anything, really any, any short-term things that I can... Uh, hold on to then it's really hard to do anything at all mm-hmm. yeah and that's one of the major reasons that even inspired me to just start up this podcast again because it was something that went on the back burner when i was so busy organizing events and traveling to teach and it's like well i know the dance community is still out there even though we're not dancing and so maybe people can listen to a podcast even though they're not traveling and things like that you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you said you've been dancing Kizomba for about three years, which is awesome. Um, but from the way that you teach and the way that you dance, I know that Kizomba was not your first dance. So uh, can we hear a little bit about how you first got introduced to dance in, in your life? Uh, yes. So, um, okay. So I was introduced to dance when I was young, maybe about when I was 10 years old, something mm-hmm. like that. The funny thing is that I uh, practiced some other styles. I practiced at the time modern jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like it. <laughs> what did you like about it? it? I don't know. I, I was put in a class by my parents because they just wanted to put me in like dancing class and music, some stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was too young. It, it wasn't my choice. So I didn't really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I just did it for a couple of years, and then I I decided to stop. Um, and Was I this st- in Paris. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're uh, born and raised in Paris. Yes. Nice. I'm so pretty sure there's a story parents, behind that as well, but. Yes. So both of my parents are from Vietnam, and then then they arrived in France after the war. Mm. Um. So yes, I was born and raised in Paris, and then I was introduced to. Uh, dance when i was about uh, 10 years old and then i stopped for a long time i i tried again when i was about 15 with hip-hop and again i didn't like it um and the first time that i really was reintroduced to dance that changed everything was uh later on when i was about 20 mm-hmm. and my brother uh, took he was already taking dance classes for a few years and it was treat dance so it was uh like the 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 dance that you could see in the video clips at the time justin timberlake or you know mm. 
Um, and he invited me and some of the people in my family to his uh, show, the end of the year show. And I, I saw his show and I just fell in love with everything that I saw. Um, I really loved it. So next thing I did is uh, next year, the, the year after, I, I, um, I went to his class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, at this moment, I just, I just fell in love with it. I just loved it. I practiced so uh, street dance for a couple of years. Then I got introduced to salsa, bachata, um, contemporary, modern. I did a little bit of ballet, but it didn't work real well <laughs> for mm, me. I got you. <laughs> so you said the dance that your brother was doing was street dancing? Yes. So how would you describe street dancing to comparing that to hip hop? Uh, basically, uh, street dancing would be a uh, okay. So hip hop would be the semba, mm-hmm. and okay, then the street dancing would be urban keys, right? <laughs> so you take a little bit of everything <laughs> and you put it into a choreo that has a lot of influences of everything of maybe hip hop, modern jazz, and you know, and you you dancing on a nice uh, rap or hip hop or R and B song, and that is street dancing. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. Okay, so it's good to have that distinction and for the Kizon people to understand a little bit of like where hip hop is and then where street dancing is. So yes. nice. It's, it's interesting to, to have an analogy with hip hop being the Simba <laughs> of the analogy, but it works. Yes, I think everybody can relate to that. <laughs> for sure. So um, you said you mentioned you did salsa and bachata and a little bit of ballet. And when did Kizomba become a part in in your dance journey. Um, so I was I was um, for a time I was teaching um, a class that was um, about uh, basically it was like freestyling. Uh, so you came to the class with whatever dance background that you had, and uh, we made ed- exercises. Um, to develop your style or develop your uh, self-confidence. And I did that for uh, a, a while. And after a time, I started to, um, I started to, to lose passion of the dance mm-hmm. because it was a lot of pressure, I guess. And I wasn't, um, I wasn't ready at the time. So I stopped dancing altogether for maybe a year or two. And after a while, I just was missing the dance, um, but I didn't want it to go back to what I was doing before. I didn't want to go back to um, urban dances, hip hop, solo dances. Um, so since I, I told you I, I did salsa and bachata in the past, but it was a long time ago. I just thought I would go to an SBK party nice. uh, just to have fun, you know, just to uh, feel uh, old feelings of dancing salsa and bachata. Nostalgia. Yes. And uh, so it was, uh, it started like this. Uh, so in these parties, you had also Kizomba. I didn't know a lot about Kizomba, but since I kind of knew already how to follow, it was easy for me to, to get introduced to the, this dance. And uh, what happened is that 
so my love first was towards salsa, right? It was mm -hmm. my first love. And after a couple of parties, I started being um, tired of dancing salsa because the songs were too long. And, <laughs> you know, salsa was my first dance as well. And so I can definitely relate to that for sure. Yes. So I just wanted to, um, you know, at the end of every salsa session, I was really tired. Mm. So I was starting to uh, little by little look forward to the more chilled moments and more like relaxed dance. Mm -hmm. So so I started to enjoy a little bit more Kizomba because it was more like, you know, you're hugging your partner and you just like walk together. You don't have to, to, to run and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I was really enjoying that. And then little by little, I, I just uh, fell in love with just the kind of connection that you could have. Uh, simple, but uh, yet deep connection. Uh, nice. I was enjoying just the fact to uh, be able to close my eyes and, you know, enjoy, enjoy being uh, one with your partner. And Definitely. yes, that's how I started. So these SBK parties, were they all in one room or did they have separate rooms? It was all in one room. Ah, I got you. So the DJ had to be able to play salsa and then bachata and then kizomba. Yes. Nice. Do you know, do you remember where in Paris you went? Because I've been to Paris a few times, so I'm curious of the venue. Uh, so it wasn't in Paris. It was in the, in the city just next to where I live. That mm -hmm. is uh, outside, just right outside Paris. Um, so you might don't know about it. I got you. Cause usually when I go to Paris, you hear about like park football and Saida and some other places. Yes. Uh, well, Saida. Those, those places are only Kizomba though. Mm -hmm. So the SBK ones are like, I guess different on the fringe. Yeah. It yes. makes sense. And they even have festivals that are SBK now that are that yes. bring Kizomba to them, but then it's not like the Kizomba only events as well. So it's interesting to see that dynamic as well between uh sbk events and then like strictly kids only events you know yes it's really different it's it's not the same not the same population if you go to an sbk festival it would be mainly salsa and bachata dancers that know about kizomba you know mm -hmm. and then kizomba uh, festivals would be just kizomba dancers kizomba lovers makes sense yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, how you started to like Kizomba a little bit more and walking with your partner. You mentioned uh, the connection that you can develop with your partner, which is something that we all enjoy with kids. Yeah. And in Paris, I'm pretty sure like Kizomba was like this huge kind of like underground thing that you were starting to discover. And obviously you said about three years ago. So of course this is between the, I'm not, was Urban Kids a thing when you first started or was it starting to get defined? When did you transition from SBK to now starting to only kids events and things like that? Okay. Uh, so at the time when I started, I think, yeah, Urban, Urban Kids was already um, well uh, defined. Mm -hmm. When I started, though, I didn't know anything about it. So for me, it was all the same. Like I remember my first. Um, all Kizomba parties, I was just feeling that I, I, I was uh, listening to the same thing 
all night long the same style but you know like with time i i learned how to define the difference between semba and kizomba and urban keys and ta- tarashinya ta- etc yes um, there's so many now so, <laughs> yes <laughs> but at the time i i couldn't do i couldn't make the difference at all for mm-hmm. me it was all the same yeah i feel like a lot um, of people new to kizomba can relate with that because they can't distinguish the dance styles or what the music yes. styles are and how that changes and shifts and you don't know who the artists are or anything like that. So it definitely takes some time to, to get acclimated to everything. Yes. It takes a lot of time. <laughs> um, and you know, like the fact that there's no, there's no, um, no one who really knows the true, like the whole, <laughs> it's really, really confusing. You know, you go to one person and they tell you a story and then you go to another person, they tell you something completely different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm lost right now. I don't know what all of this is about. Um, all I know is that everybody calls that Kizomba and I dance that and that's it, you know? <laughs> exactly. The umbrella of Kizomba for sure. Yes. Um, so then what was your question again? Yeah. So your transition from like SBK events to kids only events. Uh, so it was really fast. Um, I, I went to that SBK party maybe for a few months mm-hmm. and then really fast. I, I, right after I really fell in love with Kizomba, I felt that th- I had the need to, to see, a higher level. Gotcha. Definitely. That's a valid feeling. Yes, because it was a small party. I mean, there's a lot of people going to that party, but still compared to the big Kizomba parties, it was quite small. And so you always uh, dance with the same people. They have a level that um, pretty fast. I could see it it wasn't uh, challenging enough for me. For sure. I very uh, quickly had the need to see something else and something more. I wanted uh, um, a real level. And I knew that the level wasn't so high because I I could compare to salsa, for example, salsa bachata. You have, you, have, um, you have parties where the level is is okay um and then you have other parties where you have only experts uh, only professional mm. people and you just look around and you see a lot of amazing dancers and you know that this in this party you're going to learn a lot so mm. that's what i was looking for for kizomba that's awesome uh how long did it take you to realize that like paris is like one of the hot spots for kizomba in the world did you already know that from the beginning or did it take time to realize like because not a lot of people have the luxury of learning kizomba in paris yeah Uh that's a good question uh i think i didn't realize it at first Mm -hmm. because i i again i didn't know that's all you knew yeah I didn't know anything about it. I just, uh, I was happy that uh, if I go to a all keys of a party, then the level would be really challenging for me. So I was really happy about it. Mm-hmm. I guess I really, uh, yeah, when I started traveling, I, just, I, mm, I didn't, that makes I didn't sense. I didn't travel for Kizomba. I traveled for personal purposes, but I went to, um, other countries and i was expecting the same level that in mm-hmm. paris 
And I really, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the same. It was like the communities are smaller everywhere else and the level is, is um, lower, but it's normal because like everything, all the teachers that are in Paris are usually the one that teach everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So then they have to wait for all the teachers to go there to be able to level up. Um, so yes, that's that's when I that's when I realized it. It was maybe a year, a year after I started. I got you. Yeah, I think that's an interesting uh, point to bring up because most people like they start in a city where there's not a lot of kizomba, and even if they wanted to go to have a higher level, they'd have to travel to another place to get that level, and then come back to their home. And I guess with your story, it's a little bit of the reverse to where. Uh, you started and that was all you knew and you didn't see the contrast until you started to travel outside of Paris. So yes. that makes sense. So I am curious here and, and thanks for sharing this of your story. It's, it's different from your typical one because you started in Paris. So, and you grew up in Paris. So and yeah. you found out about Kizomba afterwards. And so I'm curious now that you've learned more about the styles of kids from Semba to Ghetto Zook to urban kids and Tadasho and Tadashinya and things like that. And, and a lot of these styles are starting to get defined now, which is good. Do uh-huh. you have a particular preference of a particular style or do you like, like a mix of everything? Uh, so uh, for dancing, I, I think I don't have any favorite style. I like everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy Semba, I enjoy Urban, I, I enjoy Tarasho, Tarashinya. Um, but then I would have a preference um, as far as the music is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I couldn't listen to Semba all night, for example. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I could not listen to Tarasho all night. But I would listen to urban all night. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I have like a bitter preference for urban keys. (laughs) Yeah. Makes sense. For sure. Um, When I started dancing Kizomba back in 2012, 2013, and the person who came was Albir to Uh uh, one of the SPK festivals that we're having there. And one of my friends was like going gaga over Albier and she's like, Hey, you want to take a private with me? And I think he was with Sarah at that time. So it's like, Oh yeah, I get to dance with Albier. You get to dance with Sarah. And I was like, hell yeah, I want to dance with Sarah Lopez. <laughs> but I guess getting exposed to that style and, and seeing the musicality and his steps from back then gave me a preference to kind of like prefer urban kids more. And then just growing up with hip hop and stuff like that as well. But uh, I'm pretty sure we both can agree even though we have a preference for her, but you can still see the importance of like having your Jenga and understanding yeah. Simba and, and the lineage yeah. of the instructions. And it's just going to make you a better urban dancer overall, you know? Yes. I mean, like now we have so many styles on mm-hmm. the dance. Floor. It's crazy. If you, know, if you know only one style, if you know only urban and you don't have any basics of nothing, if you don't have your Jenga, you don't have anything, then I think you can't really enjoy dancing the whole night on all of the different styles and with all of the different dancers too 
because mm-hmm. everyone their own style for sure this when when i heard you speak just now it it popped uh an idea or a thought that i've had in my head for a while and it'll be curious to hear your take on this since you kind of learned a lot in paris actually i have two questions but let me say this first idea Uh so you mentioned before like hey you wanted to go to a party where you would see a lot of amazing dancers high level so you can get that challenge and uh, you just also mentioned that there were a lot of styles and so everybody kind of had their strengths and weaknesses and things like that as well, also depending on what the DJs were playing. And mm-hmm. I feel that there's this point where a follow, and this is can also transition into like the value of following as well, but like as a follow to be able to adapt to so many different styles from the leads, you know, because once you go to high level dancers, now they're not cookie cutter dancers anymore, all doing the same thing. Like each one kind of has their own flavor and personality and style of musicality. And as a follow, you have to kind of like adapt to each one. And so there's like 10 high level dancers at this party and you dance with all 10 of them. Like each one is like a different experience, you know? So I'm pretty sure you can relate to them. I'm curious to, to see what you have to say on that subject? Um, so I don't really see the question. <laughs> um, so like, how was your experience like dancing with the high level Kizoma dancers and having to adapt so many different styles in one night? Oh, okay. Um, so today I would say it's easy um, because I, I had I made that effort to learn a lot uh, about the different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my only focus uh, in Kizomba for the first, I don't know, for the first two years mm-hmm. was how can I be the best follow possible? How can I follow um, my partner in a way that is. Uh, uh, in harmony, you know, mm-hmm. how can I make one with my partner? That was my only focus for the, the longest time. Um, so in the beginning it was, it was, um, it was kind of confusing because there was, there was so many styles and I wasn't aware of that. You know, I, I told you for me, it was all Kizomba. Um, so I would have one piece of information, um, you know, when in those moments you do that. So I would apply that to everyone. And of yeah. course it didn't work with everyone because <laughs> everyone doesn't have the same technique or the same, you know, the same style. So it was really confusing at first. And then with time I uh, I learned um I understood it had I had to understand first that you have many different styles and um and in for the same thing, for example, for the same step, you have many different ways to respond to that according to, uh, depending on how your partner uh, uh, does the step. If you know what, I don't sure. know. Yeah, there's different outcomes that could have come. So it's like, oh, this is happening again, but I don't know what the outcome is going to be. What kind of song are we dancing to right now? There's, there's a lot of factors that you have to take into consideration. Yes. Um, so and um, so, I had to understand that you have you have m- many uh, ways to respond, 
and um even even though it's not really clear in my head then i have to learn some uh um how to say that in a way that is easy to understand i have to learn in like if my partner is straight then i have to be straight if my partner is relaxed then i have to be relaxed you know mm. it's not like all the time you know you don't have to be relaxed all the time and usually when you when you have uh when you get an, a piece of information and advice the person will tell you uh be relaxed you know so mm. you, you, will, you will have uh you will want to be relaxed all the time but it doesn't work with yeah, everyone sure. so i had to put all of that in little boxes um and and try to uh categorize the styles um myself because it wasn't it wasn't clear yet um in my head mm -hmm. and then once i got all of that then i could make a mix of all of those techniques and know in which situation to use like what tool to get out of my toolbox for, for sure. a particular situation no that's that's a beautiful answer um and now now it's uh i think it's it's easier now because we are defining more and more the styles and so in each style you can um you you can put uh, a rule like for example uh, semba then the rule is more to be relaxed you know for urban the rule is more uh to be tense the uh, more uh, locked uh if you if you dance tarasho is going to be different it's if you dance you know you can put rules on each styles um and it's it's be it's being more defined today so it's easier for the people that learn it i think definitely yeah there's definitely a transitional point where like there's so many things happening and it was hard to pick up like what was what and what was defined and what do you do and things like that but i feel like the more the teachers traveled and explained and there are more content that was put out as far as teaching and explaining what was going on then it was easier for people to kind of figure out what was going on and going back to your answer about being able to adapt as a follow uh, i think i think in one of the videos i saw you talked about like matching the energy of your follow of your lead and finding like his intention and trying to match that intention and that definitely takes some time to be able to you have to get exposed to different types of movement and energies and things like that and then you have to like you said put it into a little box and like keep it in your toolbox yeah and yeah. then find those opportunities that happen again and happen use that tool successfully x number of times to give you the confidence like okay this is where i feel comfortable in that and then when you do use the right tool over and over again now I feel that opens up um, now that it's not taking up so much brain space about like, oh no, where, where are my tools? What's in my toolbox? All that kind of stuff. You gain some, I guess, confidence and familiarity with the different types of energy and the tools you can use. Then you can start to now to start to add your style that is complementary to what you're being led through. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing 
because I mentioned that I had two thoughts. Uh, the first one was like what you were just saying before, like having to adapt to so many styles in Paris, I'm pretty sure was a challenge, but at, at the end of the, at the end of it all, it's definitely placed to your advantage of growing as a follow. And one, there's other comment that you made about for the first two years, you're focusing on how to be a good follow. And I guess this is going to get into a conversation of the, I guess, question of like, when is it appropriate to style? When is it appropriate to just follow? Pure following versus uh, active following or, or passive following, as some people say. What do you have to say about the, I guess, the difference of passive following versus active following and pure follow and, and things like that? Yes. So, um, so first of all, I think it's a choice. Okay, you want to you want to express. You don't want to express. It's your choice, and it's okay. Um, I have like um, uh, levels. Different. There's like to me. There's different levels of expressing. Um, so the first level would be no expressing at all. Um, so no expressing at all is okay if you just want to follow. It's okay. Usually the, the beginners will be at this stage where you don't express at all. You just focus, put all your focus on being able to follow your lead, right? Um, then the next level, the second level would be expression, uh, but without bothering your lead. So this... Um, this is, for example, we're walking together and then I hear a boom, boom, and I decide to take the boom, boom with my head, you know? Mm. So I'm moving my head. I'm not bothering you at all, but I express right here. So whatever part, free part of my body I had, I used it to express, um, and it didn't bother you at all. Mm -hmm. This also, you can do it uh, as a follow. You can do it whenever you want, and it's a choice. You choose the first level, the, the second level, it's it's completely your choice and it's okay. Um, and then the last level is the one that uh, in my opinion is more um, is more debated is the the expression that might bother the lead. So for example, you want to go left and I want to go backward and I choose to go backward, then there's a there's a conflict here, right? Mm -hmm. We're not doing the same thing. So this one is still okay. I I would I would say it's um it's a level where the follow is is aware enough of everything that she can really take um a decisions that might uh, change the course of the dance but then in this one we have to be really careful that uh, it's it's in this category it needs to be really a common agreement mm -hmm. between the two partners so for example if you you want to express a lot but you dance with a partner that is really all into the connection uh, into just walking together, then there would be a conflict here, right? Because you don't have the same uh, energy. You don't have the same style of dancing. It's not harmonious. Uh, but then if you dance with a partner that is also playful, that wants to express, that wants you to express, then you're on the same page, right? 
Um, so for this last level, I usually say it's uh, uh, both the lead and the follow need to adapt to each other and they need to understand um, where the other one is at that moment if they want to express if they don't want to express if they are playful if they are all into the connection and then and then um build on that mm-hmm. beautiful answer and i agree with that for sure and i like how you broke it down into different steps depending on the level of the follower you know because obviously When you're following, you're trying to be aware of yourself and your posture and your legs and when you're stepping and the size of your steps. And then, okay, the partner and his pattern and what is he leading and how much energy is he using? And then the music, okay, that lyric is coming up or not coming up. And so to have your brain spread out across so many different uh, areas can definitely take time to kind of build that kind of mental muscle to be able to juggle all of those things at the same time, you know? Yes, and, um, the word that you were saying that, um, bothered me a little bit was bother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's not, I don't like, you can totally use the word, but where my mind was going is like, um, for these to be taught more empathy, to not be bothered by those things. Yeah. And you mentioned before, like it has to be an agreement between the lead and the follow. And I 100% believe that it needs to be an agreement, but then we're also talking about nonverbal communication. Yeah. It's not like we sat down and we had a 10 minute meeting and we had this list and we all agreed. Okay. Okay. I like this and I don't like that. Don't do this. Like we're all improvising and it's all like, uh, uh, improvised on the fly. And we're yeah. trying to like match one another without having, it could be a brand new dancer. And it's like, okay, I don't even know what to expect now because I don't know what he's capable of, or is this like his highest level? Is this his lowest level? And vice That's versa for the lead and the follow. So I think it's really important to approach the dances with empathy and not be so quick to, to be bothered because maybe she tried something. Maybe I try something and I don't know what I want. Yeah. Um, I find so many times that followers are so quick to apologize. And it's like, oh, sorry, I missed that. When in actuality, I was trying something out and I didn't even know what I wanted to do. So I don't know what I want to do. I mess up my lead. She gets that she didn't get something, but she doesn't know what was happening in my head, you know? And so I feel like leaders should also share like, hey, I'm not a perfect lead. Like, Sometimes I'm going to mess up. Sometimes I'm going to miss something. Sometimes I, ooh, I wanted to express this lyric this particular way, but then my foot or my weight was in the wrong place, you know? And uh-huh. this vice versa for the follower world, where, where this is an improvised dance. We're not perfect beings. And then we're also trying to understand one another without any words. So there's so many opportunities for uh, hiccups along the way. And so... Um, I feel like leads shouldn't be so quick to get bothered, you know, like maybe if it's like a repeated issue over and over again and like maybe there's zero empathy and she's not listening to you at all. Okay. Maybe you can start to get a little bit annoyed, but if there's just one misstep or something like that and you immediately go to like, Oh, this follow is not good. Then I don't think that that's, that's fair. And it, I feel like it shows lack of empathy for what could be even like, have you, does that lead even follow? Or has he tried to follow to like really understand what's going on, you know? 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I agree that uh, empathy needs to be on both sides. So things have to be understood for the follow. Things have to be understood for the lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true that bother, it's a, a strong word. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when I talk about it, I talk in the extreme, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the extreme case that... Um, uh, you express so much mm-hmm. that it bothers in the end the people that you yes for sure with. like a repeated thing that's going on you know yes um mm-hmm. so some complaints uh are that you know this dancer this follow she expresses so much that we feel that she dances alone like she doesn't mm-hmm. dance with the- so that's an extreme case it's not everyone at all for sure um but in this extreme case uh, I would say that it's also okay, you know, to be a dancer that wants to express a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's just that um, with that being said, you also need to listen to your partner, right? You mm-hmm. also need to have... Um, so you have this part of yourself that wants to express and then you have another part that needs to uh, understand that you're uh, dancing a, a couple's dance Definitely. and that uh, it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not like a, a clear, it's not that easy to balance, you know? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, that's why I would say like the levels are, are important. And the, the last level mm-hmm. would be really uh, with two, like in, in my opinion, it, it has to be with two dancers that have already a, a level that um, allows you to understand the other one. Mm-hmm. A level that allows you the um, to be in one or the other in in uh, uh, less expression, more expression, and be able to choose between the two, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I am a follow that has a high level and I know uh, how to express perfectly, uh, but I dance with a beginner that doesn't know that he's just learning uh, how to handle everything, then um if i if i put in all of that expression it's just gonna uh confuse him mm-hmm. overwhelm him yes he's gonna be so overwhelmed he's not gonna understand anything at all so in this uh just for this level i would say there's really you have to be on the same page you and your partner have to be on the same page uh, there is a moment that you you um when you start dancing you just kind of try to adapt to one another and then you you see if the other one is more playful or or not mm-hmm. uh, if he gives you space or he doesn't give you space um if when you try to take some freedom uh how does he respond to that and you know it it it's it needs to be uh the two partners together mhm definitely um I remember taking a workshop and the workshop topic was about touch and consent. And it was really interesting in that workshop because let's just say, for example, that we have two people and person A gives a back massage to person B. And in the Uh workshop, they kind of expanded upon okay, did person B ask for the back massage or did person A ask to give person B 
a back massage. So who initiated what? Yeah. Does person A not really like giving back massages, but since the person B asked for it, it's like, okay, this, I don't really enjoy this, but I will do it for the sake of person B, you know, uh-huh. or the reverse. Did person B receive a request and then say, okay, well, my back isn't really hurting right now, but if you really want to give me a back massage, sure, go ahead and give me a back massage, you know, to where um, you could take it a step further and say person A asked to give person B a back massage. Person B really doesn't want a back massage, but doesn't say anything and gets the back massage and but is not really enjoying it. And you just kind of learn all these different angles of what could happen between an interaction between two people. And when you shared like, oh, like a leader, give space to the follow. Okay, why did the leader give space to the follow? Did he, did he feel like he should? Did he feel like there is a sign before that says the follow wanted to express? And then the follower is like, okay, he gave me space. Do I need to do something? Am I not going to do anything? And how's he going to like it if I do it? So like both people are analyzing each other's reactions in real time, you know? And I feel uh-huh. like once we become aware of that, that facet of it, then it just become, really becomes a lot more empathetic, you know? And uh, I think it's rare to even sometimes sit down and have a conversation about particular dances sometimes, you know, like I remember sometimes going to festivals, you have a really fun dance and there's just a huge festival and then you don't see that person again, maybe for the rest of the festival or, uh, and then, yeah, it's just like, well, this was an awesome dance. I don't know who this person was or, and it's hard to like sit down and sometimes talk about these things or sometimes you're just in a flow and you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing. And True. It's, it's crazy sometimes, you know? Yeah. So that, that, that falls into the category of you both are on the same page mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> and then, you know, you're on the same page and maybe you're, you're feeling like, um, like you want to express, she's feeling she wants to express. And then you just, uh, uh draw something together, something new, something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, that is, I think you, you are in that last, category that last level and the last level is is truly embodied you know it's it's easy for you to do um it's easy for you to understand what you want to do and understand what your partner wants to do Mm -hmm. i want to dance with you now but we can (laughs) (laughs) wait one year i know i know i know i know it was going to be a neo kids this year but we're going to have yeah. to find another time, but it's interesting to like, even like we have a podcast episode before we even had a dance versus having a podcast episode after we've danced. And now it's going to be interesting to see because now we kind of have some insight into uh, each other's minds. And so it'll be interesting yeah. to see now because it's not like a random person that you don't know, you know, Uh huh. Mm-hmm. my mind yeah. is, is tingling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, so in my opinion, anything is good. Um, mm. it's a choice. Like for, for, for me, for example, my only focus was to just follow. Right. Um, so I didn't, for the longest time I was in the dancer that, that, uh, was focused on, um, expressing myself or, you know, putting, adding a uh, style, um, adding other movements. I wasn't focused on that at all. And for some other dancers, they really like to express themselves. Um, 
but then it has to be um how to say that it has to be a a common understanding between you and your partner mm-hmm. um i usually uh i usually say that the first uh the first minutes of your dance is just to adapt to one another So in these moments I'd be only on follow, following mode. Uh I just follow, I take the energy, I you know, I I see what kind of dancer what, that I have in front of me and and then if I see that it's a dancer that loves to um to play a little bit, to uh leave a little bit of uh a, f- a freedom space for the the girl to express, then I will take that space to express. Um if I see that it's a dancer that really likes uh just connection and being uh together then I just stay together um and you know it's it's I think yeah it's it's an understanding between the two uh the the um, so there's nothing wrong about wanting to follow wanting to express but then the thing that is uh might be a problem is when one wants to do one thing and the other wants to do another thing sure. it, has, it has to be a uh it has to have an agreement somewhere that what are we doing now mm-hmm. you know uh yes definitely uh i've so during some of my private lessons where i'm with the follow um they'll ask me what am i supposed to do here what am i supposed to do there and the way that i've broken it down is like hey there's there's two streets here there's the street where you can choose to just wait and be patient and listen and not add anything and, and continue and that could be in the first couple of minutes of the dance or it could be on your 11th dance and you're just not uh choosing to actively express and i can show you some things that you could do to to express yourself but i don't want to teach you that you have to do this anytime this happens yeah like you have to feel inspired to do that at that particular moment you know and i also tell followers like it depends on how you're feeling at the moment like how do you feel dancing with this dancer how do you feel dancing to this song uh is it sunday at the festival and you've already expressed yourself and so now you don't even have the energy to want to uh communicate in the dance right now. So there's so many different things that to consider versus like oh when I do this you have to do that or something like that, you know? Like it's there's so many more nuances to that, you yeah. know. Definitely. It's not it's not an a, a followers shouldn't feel obligated to express. Mm-hmm. I don't They should also not feel denied to express if they want to. So it's kind of like is 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 both ways you know yes i think well then um there's uh in that matter i think there's an understanding i repeat myself mm-hmm. but there's an understanding i uh i think that if um if it doesn't match with your partner mm-hmm. uh if if his dance doesn't have a lot of um a lot of uh it doesn't leave you a lot of opportunity to express yourself mm-hmm. then then it's hard it's hard to express a lot mm-hmm. and you shouldn't 
I mean, it's your choice, but uh, in my opinion, you shouldn't force it. Exactly. Um, that's, that's a very bring. That's a very good point that you're bringing up because yes, the the leader can kind of set the tone of what going what goes on. But I feel like the more that we show leads to also listen to their partners to see like, hey, yes, I can take the take the ropes and I can lead and do what I want to do 100% of the time. But as an empathetic lead, I will say, hey, I, maybe I'll give space to my follow and see what she does with it. And yeah. if she feels like she wants to express and like, okay, she took that and she expressed without any hesitation. So now I put that in my little box, dancing with this follow that uh-huh. she likes to express. So I will give her space to express, you know, versus maybe I'm dancing with the follow who's maybe newer and I give her space to express and she has like a deer in the headlights look. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Okay. I'm not going to give her as much space to express, you know? Mm. So just like the, the followers adapting, I feel like the leader also has to adapt and see what flows with the, uh, partnership as well. And it's a two way street of, of communication. And I think sometimes we can get stuck in like, um, in kind of the idea like, Oh, I lead and, and you must follow and not disrupt me and stuff like that. Or sometimes I make the joke like, uh, uh me lead you follow. And it's like this, this Tarzan thing. But like, I feel like when you see some of the, the best dances that we have, it's definitely more of a harmonious, like double helix world thing where like we're both talking to one another and giving yeah. space and communicating, you know? Uh-huh, definitely, definitely. And if the follower wants to uh, wants to express more in the dance, maybe she could um, uh, leave some, I mean, express sometimes, you know, not all the mm-hmm. time, not force it, force the expression, but um, put it, sometimes in the dance and then if the lead is uh is listening to her mm-hmm. then then maybe the dance can become more uh about expressing mm-hmm. do you feel from your experience social dancing that most leads are able to listen to their partners and follows uh most leads i would say I would say that um, it's still, uh, it's getting better. It's mm. getting, uh, in Urban Keys now, it's starting, at least in Paris. I don't know how it is uh, everywhere. Yeah, for sure. In Paris, um, it's more, uh, um, uh, it's more an understanding now. Uh, between dancers mm. that girls usually like to express mm. so uh so the the style the the lead style is changing little mm. by little so it's it's a style now that includes moments of freedom for the follow yeah. or it includes uh, question and answers you know mm, it, you like move it. in and I move and then you know I, I talk you respond and yes um, the call so and response more, mm-hmm. yeah uh, it's more and more like this now um, it's okay for the maybe the beginners it's harder to do that mm-hmm. so like, don't do that 
uh, but then you have so many amazing dancers here. Yeah, so yes i think it's it's starting to develop mm -hmm. little by and, little. yes that's that's wonderful to hear that makes me really happy to hear and i feel like so when when i heard you talking i was having all of these little uh light bulb moments that were popping in my brain um, yeah. one of those light bulb moments was instruction so i mean this goes into having a couple teach and when they're teaching and they have a class of 200, 300 people and the follow and the leader are able to share this idea of like, hey, in this particular moment, you can, there's this possibility to express yourself, follows and leaders. It's okay for the follow to express themselves, and this is how you do it. And here's a technique and here's a way to come in and out. And here's examples of how to call a response. And you share that in uh, a lot of different workshops and festivals and online, then people are exposed to that idea and then they can start to implement it, you know? Um, so I think that's really important. And I also feel, um, as you mentioned, the beginner leads don't do it. Uh, my mind went into the idea of mental capacity. Yeah. Like if you're a lead and you're learning Kizomba, and like you said before, there's so many different styles. So yes, it's difficult as a follow to be able to adapt. And then as a lead, you have to be able to change your style and your lead and learn the steps and the musicality. And so if you're, sure. if the majority of your brain power is going into just the execution of the steps, then there's no brain space left to, Oh, what is my follower feeling? Or what does my follower want to do? He's just trying to get through the dance. And, yeah. And, true, true. Uh -huh. or sometimes they feel the pressure to not be boring you know because uh -huh. they want to be able to uh i guess impress or entertain the follow you know and yes. so yeah there's there's so many different layers to this and this is why i'm i'm glad that we're having this conversation <laughs> on the podcast because you can't sit down and talk for an hour in a class either you know because that's not the time and place for it because people are there to learn how to dance. Um, sure. So that's why I feel like these podcasts are really, really nice to kind of have people sit down and think about the way that they dance and how they dance and why they dance and all that good stuff. So this, this has been a, an awesome conversation. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, I think we're getting close to the hour mark now, which is wonderful. Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about uh, your projects and things like that to kind of give you a platform to promote what you're doing. I know you mentioned before with lockdown, I think we're all uh, kind of reevaluating and resetting and things like that as well. But I know you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you have a group called uh, Amazing Follow. So maybe you can share a few words about that. Yes. Yeah, so um, I have a, a Facebook group, the Amazing Follows. Um, in the group, I share tips uh, to improve i share interviews and uh we share some conversations uh, i'm not gonna lie since the lockdown i've been not really active on the group anymore mm -hmm. um but i hope that when momentum picks up again then i start uh, being more on the group again for sure. So if a follower is listening to this podcast now and she's interested in joining that group uh, where should she go um, so type the amazing follow, follow or follows. I don't remember either. The amazing I'll follow put the, the link in the show notes. So if you're listening, we'll, I'll, we'll find the link and I'll put a link to that group in the show notes. Oh, so people can just go there. Awesome. <laughs> so just uh, type that on Facebook and then, um, and then join the group. Mm -hmm. 
And I know you mentioned before that you've worked with Laurent, who's a really good friend of there, and you guys have been doing some awesome videos uh, on onlinekizomaschool.com. So that's also a place that people can find out about you, yeah? Also, yes. Keep mm-hmm. online school. Uh, yes. Are there any other places people should go to, to follow you? Uh, well, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, I'm mm-hmm. everywhere. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sophie, for taking some time out of your day to come and talk. And um, right now, I feel like inspired to dance. <laughs> oh, nice. I have to have the, these conversations because I don't know, like, uh, I have to say that even like with my surgery, and the lockdown, like I haven't been teaching a lot and teaching is one of the things that uh, I enjoy and uh, I yeah. love these intellectual conversations and div- digging deeper into the technique of everything and to hear about your experience and then like just, just I guess it, it reignited some, some inspiration within me uh, because there's so many things that go on. Uh, what we see and then what we're feeling and what we're thinking, like all those things aren't as visible, but those things are, are as important. And so it's good to kind of like, I guess, feel some of those things again, I guess, through these podcasts. So um, thank you for being here and sharing your uh, thoughts and experiences. And to close the podcast, uh, I would like to give you the mic and the platform again. Uh, do you have a inspirational saying or a quote or anything of that nature to kind of put a ribbon on the podcast, if you will. Um, so, uh, what I was, I was telling you before that this period, the situation have uh, been a, a really good moment for me to practice uh, self-compassion. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say have compassion towards yourself. Um, especially for those hard times uh, if you're feeling uh, depressed sad uh, anxiety anxiety mm-hmm. anything um, to not uh, beat yourself up for feeling those because it's only normal We're, we are all human beings and I guess this can really apply to everything so for your life and for your dance uh, I know that there's a lot of people that beat themselves up because uh, their level is not exactly what they want it to be uh, they're uh, they're not uh, learning uh, fast enough. Um, I would just say there's a time for everything. Uh, there's a process. Um, learning something, especially a new skill, takes time. So just be be kind to yourself. Be compassionate. Um, and yes. Awesome. That's, That's a beautiful message. So uh, for those listening, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Thank you once again, Sophie, for uh, sharing with us again and spending some time with us here during this pandemic. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. She's my video vixen, my